What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week's episode of Bush Trickway is brought to you by Eleven Yo Big in Philadelphia. Yay! And on top of that, our Patreon subscribers, because they help us do this show every single week. And if you're an active listener of Blue Shirts Breakaway and you'd like to support us, you can go to patreon.com slash blue breakaway right now, sign up, get some stickers, get a t-shirt, or just throw a dollar at our face and support us. Anything you give helps us so much to do this show every single week for 178 weeks straight. Thank you so much, guys. Big show today. Elaine Vigneault in Philadelphia. Capo Gago, the number two pick. Our good friend Jeff joins us to talk Devils and Game of Thrones. And we talk about the future of the Rangers, as we do all the time. So sit back, enjoy the show, and here we go. Hey, Bullshit Breakaway fans, welcome to another week of the Bullshit Breakaway. Greg, say hello. Uh, I'm your host too, Ryan, I guess. Sorry, I'm distracted. Something great happened today. Before we get into all the fun, super duper great hockey stuff, because there's a lot of fun, super duper great hockey stuff, right? Yeah, of um, course. There's so much to talk about. This isn't quite a more overrated than Bryce Harper. Um, I just think it needs to be said. Mm-hmm. Two sides to the same coin, right? You're not, it doesn't make you cool if you've never seen Game of Thrones. And it doesn't make you cool if you force Game of Thrones down people who haven't seen it. Yeah, and uh, we'll get to that in a minute, but I think we're really burying the lead here. I mean, really. (laughs) I'm trying to. I'm trying to. It's It's called building it up. You're trying to. Okay, let's just build it up. Everyone, let's, come on. Just brace yourself. Okay. All right. Here we are. Wait, wait, okay. Better. Better question. Which uh, which made you happier this week? This is so tough. The Rangers getting the <laughs> the Rangers getting the number two overall pick, or the announcement made by the Philadelphia Flyers today? It's the fact that I have to think about this is says it all, doesn't it? Where I'm like, oh yeah, you're extremely happy if you get one or the other, right? Like the the sheer existence of one of these two things is great. Getting both feels Super like duper. cheating. I've felt great. Like I'm, 
You know how rare it is to be sports happy? You probably do. Um, I, I have no idea what that's like. Yeah, so being sports happy is does, does not come often. And to be in April and have the Rangers not being in the playoff, playoffs rather, and to be as sports happy as I am is a total rarity. Like just this doesn't happen. And in the same week on this blessed April, we've gotten Elaine Vigneault to the Flyers. Now, have you seen the contract? Because that's where it gets real good. Oh, no. I oh. just saw the announcement. I oh. There's a contract? This is my favorite game to play with Greg. Greg doesn't know. Is it a lifetime deal? It Please is. tell me it's a lifetime deal. <laughs> I wish I could tell no, you that, Gregory. Tell me a lifetime deal with no movement clauses. I will tell you the amount of money. You will tell me the years. Okay? Oh, boy. It's Well, how about I tell you the years first? Okay. Got to be. If we're talking just stupidity... <laughs> It has to be at least five years, right? Well, it is five years, yes. Okay. So Elaine Vigneault will talking, be coaching the Philadelphia Flyers. It's got to be like $4.5 million? It is $5 million for five I, years. I love it. That is I love it. the fucking best. Yeah, because you know what that contract is? A, it's, a it's, third year buy It's like fireable proof because no team will want to be on the hook for that much money without that guy still being behind the bench. We're getting at least three years of Elaine Vino. There's no way we get less than that. I know. And it's just like a beautiful... And guys, we're going to talk about Capacaco and, and everything else that happened. That's so wonderful in Rangerstown this week. But just to have Elaine Vino back in my life, in a way where I can hate him, and it's cool, is just this really nice feeling. Like, who likes Elaine Vigneault? That's my real question. He has to be respected somehow because he's the Canadian coach this year. So, like, how did that happen? Yeah, you know who one of his assistants is on Team Canada? Linear up, baby. Ah, uh, there's so many options for the New York Rangers. <laughs> well, do you think Lindy joins him in Philadelphia? I mean, I would love it. Same. I would also love it if Lindy just became the head coach again in Buffalo. There are a lot of options for Lindy Ruff. Is Lindy, is, is Lindy Ruff seriously like in contention for a Buffalo job? I that can't be would true. not be surprised. I, I don't know how serious his name has been floated around. The NHL is the worst if that happens. But to have a lay video and cue laugh track here, uh, be back in my life is just the, is the absolute greatest because you know he's going to sign Tanner Glass. You know he's going to sign some old enforcer. He's going to play breakaway hockey, and they're going to be using speed and chewing gum and going and, and, and probably losing in one cup final. Sorry, Flyer fans. They probably wouldn't even get that far. I don't actually know how he's going to – how that team's going to react. He doesn't have, the, like, an elite goaltender – to really work with just yet. It's not like he, that team is built to work for him. Like, who is he ruining on that team? Everybody, probably. I, I, I mean... How do you think Ghost Bear feels uh, right now? Gostas Bear, Ivan Provorov, Nolan Patrick. Uh, it's going to be Nolan great. Patrick gonna, has to be like, what? Really? The, the only thing that is a bit of a bummer is he will still have guys like Claude Giroux and Sean Couturier who are good and AV will run them into the ground but boy oh boy the amount of ice time someone like Andy McDonald is about to get on that blue line is just it's just so fun for a non-flyer fan it's I couldn't be I couldn't be more pleased with their decision to hire Elaine Vino to a five-year 25 million dollar contract I think one of my favorite tweets this year and I can't remember if it was you or not but around the around the draft section it was like a look at the metro five teams in the playoffs these teams, first and second round, uh, first well, number one in overall two, two overall pick, the Flyers. 
okay. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's nothing happening there. So it's just the, the best way to live life where the rest of the Metro uh, is, is having a great time. Maybe stands the Penguins currently. And uh, do you still think the Penguins could come back, by the way? You think the series is over? I think the series is over. Yeah, me too. I actually prefer the Islanders to go further. We said this at, their, at our meetup this uh, weekend, which, by the way, went very well. Thanks, everyone, for coming out who did. Uh, and I want the Islanders to go, like, one or, one more round. Just, you know, go toe-to-toe with the Caps and just have them be crushed by them. I'd rather you get closer and get sadder than just, you know, losing the first round again. Just just, just get close. That's all I ask. Yeah, I still just... I, 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 know, I know you don't care. I couldn't care less I know about you the Islanders care. of New York. And when I when I say that, it's not... That's not coming from a, a bitter fan perspective. It's just the, truth. the Islanders are so unimportant to me in my life that whatever they want to do, I really don't care. It doesn't register for me until I'll have an opinion when they get to the Stanley Cup final. I I just don't I I don't waste my time with that fan base and that organization. So something else I want to talk about in the especially the playoffs is this team called Tampa Bay. Have you heard of them? Uh, tough. Yeah, tough. Yeah. Uh, do you know who plays currently for the Blue Jackets? Artemi Panarin. Oh, you know who else plays? Been on this podcast. Oh. <laughs> John Tortorella? No, Adam Kledetting had many shots in that game. An unbelievable comeback for Adam Kledetting, playing in a playoff game against the President Cup Trophy and truly performing. Just, I... Let's say, like, in a in a, another universe, right? In a world mm. we don't live in. The well, this probably happened. Uh, the Tampa Bay, uh, Bay wow, Tampa Bay Lightning are switched with the Rangers, and the Rangers are in that position. And we have to podcast today, where we're down three nothing to a wild card team, and we don't know what's happening. We were the, maybe one of the best teams of the last ten years. How would we react on this show? Poorly. Uh, would um, we be throwing a tantrum? It might be the saddest show we've ever had. Yeah, it, it'd be tough. I, I, there'd be a lot of talk of needing to get rid of John Cooper. There'd be a lot of talk of how do the Rangers make an adjustment to a core that is seemingly locked up long-term already. Um, there'd be a lot of panic about Braden Point and his future. There'd be a lot of panic about if Vasilevsky is reaching a critical mass in his career, if we've entered the tail end of it, all while he's locked up to a long-term contract. Yeah, it, it would be it would be a pretty pretty fucking ugly podcast. Um, at the same time, we're the New York Rangers, baby. We don't got to worry about it. Well, and the guy who built that things are great right now, baby. The guy who built that team. And who got out of Dodge before the season had started, who can do whatever he wants to do, currently has carte blanche. Uh, Stevie, Stevie Y, maybe he just comes to the Rangers and is, uh, you know, building Rangers. He's building Rangers South North. Oh, boy. Uh, South North. <laughs> the actual Rangers are back. Yeah, it's just a situation where I was thinking about today, like, okay, if I was a Lightning fan, I'd be living on... Cloud nine all season. Like, fuck, we have the best team. This is amazing. Kucherov's so underrated. He's the Steph Curry of the NHL. People don't see how great he is, whatever. And then we just get to the playoffs and we're getting manhandled. Like, it's, those games aren't even close. They're just absolute destruction. And yeah, this isn't even a lightning getting unlucky thing. Yeah. No, it's I, outplayed I, every, at every part of it. 
Yeah, eye test and metric is just evident that the Tampa Bay Lightning have been bullied this entire series. It's so weird. It's old man hockey, like, and I hate to say it. It's just like, do you think the Tampa Bay uh, Lightning have really outmuscled them? And it's like, yeah, they have. It's just like there's no – of course, they've been better analytically also, but you could just see it on the tape and with your eyes. Like, these guys are just getting hit. They're they're out they're out muscling them, just out hitting them, and it sounds like such a like cliche, but it's just true. So uh, I feel bad for us because we're probably not getting that first round pick, are we? No, and I know there's less emphasis on the Rangers needing to get all of their conditions met now that they have the number two overall pick, uh, and but at the end of the day, look, there's a massive difference between picking I think would be like 54th and 31st yeah um at, it's difficult because I think the the getting an NHL regular at pick 31 and pick 54 the difference actually isn't that wide you kind of need a lot of things to go right regardless at the same time there are 23 additional players on the board at 31 you have a lot more options to choose from a little more flexible yeah, but I will say, if the Rangers fail to get that condition met, man, if I'm not going to Carolina immediately and being like, we have a second-round pick, an additional one, take it, give us Adam Fox, you're not signing him, he's can, coming to New York one we, way or the can other. Can we not do that anymore due to like some – is that it? I what think it Wasn't there a period where we had to trade for him and then we lost the right to trade for him? Isn't that over? Nope. Okay. You can still trade for him. Oh, okay. I don't know why I thought uh, that. Trade for him at any time, baby. Oh, okay. I'd like to do that. Can we please do that? A second round pick immediately for Adam Fox. It's not even a question. Yes. Uh, would you trade the Rangers second round pick for Adam Fox? So 30, uh, 30, what is it, 37? Overreaction theater? Absolutely, I would. I would. You're because probably- you would then have the Rangers... Worst case scenario, the Rangers have two firsts and three seconds. And the seconds would be somewhere in the 45th range and the 54th range if all things continue to go the way they're going. I don't think it'll take the second. It shouldn't take the second. It should at least take Carolina's second. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm good there. I think I, I can't do the Rangers' second. But I, thought, I don't think it takes it. Why would it take it? We have all the leverage. If you're the Rangers, then you're trying to just get it fucking done. And the path of least resistance is offering a higher draft pick. That's all. Fine. I think I would do it. Only because I, you're, not, you're probably not getting a better prospect than him there. Period. I would agree. So I'd I mean, t- I would say the same thing about if the Rangers had 31st overall, I would probably be fine trading that for Adam Fox. Because the odds of you getting an Adam Fox at 31, slim. Can we just go back to Elaine Mignot real quick? Uh, sure. I have never <laughs> done this <laughs> Okay, I'm good. That was so I just can't, I can't believe it. That was so I, cathartic. I, I understand this isn't just a, a hockey thing. It just seems more exaggerated than hockey where it's like the league's decided there are about 35 to 40 guys who could actually coach a team. And we're just going to keep interviewing those 35. What Whichever is wrong of those 35 and 40 guys are not hired, we'll keep interviewing them. Do you feel like Quinn, in baseball, Quinn was one of those baseball, guys? baseball, we see it. I mean, we get frustrated when there's retread managers, but I feel like teams have been doing a much better job recently 
of hiring off the beaten path. I mean, that's how you get guys like Kevin Cash you in get Ka- Tampa Bay. That's how you get Callaway. Guys like A.J. Hinch in Houston. Guys like Mickey Calloway. Alex, the, hey, Alex Cora? He hasn't been... He hasn't been great. Well, Alex Cora, he hasn't been great with the Yankees, but at least the Yankees did something different and hired Aaron Boone. Well, well, like, they didn't they didn't get a retread manager they, they when they were looking for a new manager. They probably should have got somewhere else, so I'm just going to throw that probably. out there. Probably. That, that's besides the point. Should have been but Carlos still, Beltran, just throwing it out there. So. Oh, God, I would have loved that. Uh, I also would have hated that because I would have loved it so much. Uh, I know. Um, in, in basketball, I feel like we see retread hires pretty frequently. Yeah, like Tyler might, might, might be the next Lakers coach. Luke Walton already coaches I don't count, the Kings. I don't count any coach that gets hired by LeBron James. Because they're just LeBron like his friend. likes three guys. Yeah, yeah. LeBron likes three guys. You can't take him into account. But, like, I mean, it's not that he's a bad coach. It's just Mike Malone sure bounces around a lot. George Caro bounced around a lot. Hell, uh, Fisdale is a very safe hire when the Knicks made it. Before that, Jeff Hornacek. But every now and then, I mean – at least the NBA is different enough where you get to infuse, like inject guys like Dave Fisdale into your coaching trees. The NHL, it's just like, well, I mean, Ken Hitchcock keeps finding jobs. Lindy Ruff keeps finding jobs. Todd McClellan is the greatest available name in the coaching landscape before Elaine Vigneault. What has he ever fucking done? It's There's Nothing. just no creativity. It's, it's part of the reason why I feel like we should have we should have a longer leash with David Quinn just because at least the Rangers did something fucking different. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at because I someone asked me today on Twitter, like, hey, would you I, – I would put the red carpet out for John Cooper. And I was like, ah, I don't think I would. It's sort of like I, I want Quinn – Quinn put this culture in. I want him here to continue that. I feel like he's done a fair job in first year, and I, I kind of want to see how that plays out. I'm not sure Cooper would work, would work well with what we're doing. Cooper, Cooper's interesting, too, because I feel like he's not a bad coach. I feel like he's a very vanilla coach. And maybe he's exactly what the Tampa Bay Lightning in the regular season need, right? Because all you really need from John Cooper at that point is to just get the fuck out of the way, right? That roster takes care of itself. I don't think John Cooper necessarily has to do a whole lot of developing when you have a roster full of Stamkos's, Kucherov's, Sergachev's, Hedman's, Vasilevsky's, Girardi's. Oh, wow. A, a ton of talent and Dan Girardi. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I tried to sneak that in there. Yeah, um, great job. I was, I was paying attention. It's, it's, not, it's not to say if that team didn't have a coach, they'd still win the President's Trophy. It's just... You're not expecting John Cooper to do a lot of heavy lifting there. At the same time, John Cooper is a cup-winning coach. So it's not like he's, you know, is he a cup-winning coach? Don't no, he so. got them to a cup final. Yeah. Why did they win that year? No, they lost no. to the Blackhawks. Correct. I'm doing a lot of what the it, – it's, it's been a long day. It's been a, a long, long weekend. Week. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think John Cooper's a bad coach. I just think John Cooper is – a better coach for the Tampa Bay Lightning than he would be the New York Rangers. You look at a, a guy like Tortorella, I feel like can make a difference in a locker room. Torts is the best. He's I just love the absolute greatest. I know, like, he I got get, a short leash here. I get his coaching, his coaching style is a little, like, his actual X's and O's game management is kind of from a generation gone by. But John Tortorella, the, he, the man motivator, and the human mouthpiece, I will have 
the most time in the world forever for John Tortorella. He's just so wonderful. Every quote he puts out, every media interaction he has is just, he's just a star. He's a gem. That's all I have on him. We have a lot more yeah. to talk about. We have a time. So since we last spoke, well, mm-hmm. on the podcast that is, we got the number two pick. Yes, we did an emergency podcast. And yes, it was amazing. You should go listen to it now. But on top of that, how sure are we that we're actually going to take Capo Caco? A question you asked me. And I believe we're 100%. But the question we're going to ask our friend Jeff later, who is our resident Devils fan, has been on this podcast many, many times, is how sure is he the Devils are going to pick Jack Hughes? Because we're going to take one of the two. And if we don't, you're allowed to riot. And you're allowed to quit being a Rangers fan, as long as you still listen to this podcast and download, that is. Because if you don't take one of the two players in a two-player draft when you have the option, when it's it's actually the safe thing to do. It doesn't, does it actually matter if there's a better player in like four to ten? Like if someone turns out better? You always made the right pick. You made the consensus pick. You were safe. You you took the talent. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, I obviously if one of Jack Hughes or Capocaco doesn't reach their full potential, they would not be the first top draft picks to not reach their full potential. Just like if someone in that four, like if Alex Turcott all of a sudden has a better NHL career than Capo Caco, you're not angry that the New York Rangers at the time drafted Caco because it's, you're overthinking it. If you're trying to talk yourself into someone else having a higher ceiling at this moment than Caco, it, it's just that simple. It, I do feel like it's, it's not just the problem we have in the NHL. We do this in every sport. It, Hyping up guys like Hughes and Kako almost sets them up to fail. At the same time, it's not a 10 out of 10 guarantee that either of them will be elite NHL No, they're not Sidney Crosby or Connie McDavid. They're just No, not. but even even that, it's, it's just they're young players and so much can change and happen over the course of their careers. It's, it's unfair to say – it's going to be great when the Rangers get one of these two guys. At the same time, it's unfair to say, like, they're the savior. Um, it, it's a lot easier to put these expectations on someone like Artemi Panarin because we have a track record to work with. As sure as we might be that Capocaco is going to be special, going to be a top six player for the New York Rangers for the next 15, 20 years, we don't really know. And there are outcomes in his career where it doesn't happen. They're limited which is the most you can wish for when it comes to drafting young talent. You want to limit your chances at not reaching the potential. And by taking Kako or Hughes, you're maximizing your outcome. But yet, like you said, it's, it, it would be completely Monday morning quarterbacking if in five years someone like Alex Turcotte, Kirby Doc, uh, I don't know, Byron Bowen? you got to take the talent. You don't have the option to take this talent very often. If you got the chance, you got to do it. That's it. There's no questions about it. And if and if you're the New York Rangers and for whatever reason you have doubts about Kako or Hughes not being able to live up to their potential, you don't draft someone else at two. You trade down. You have you go to. get more. You go get more assets. Yeah. You never ever 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 just draft a different player at two. If you are not convinced in Kako or Hughes at two, that seems like a 
outrageous opinion to have. Seems like a hot but take, Rangers. What are you thinking? All, all that means, all that means, is you're trading the fuck down. You are not drafting a different guy at two. That is insanity. Totally crazy. Uh, I want to just go back to Le'Veon for a second. <laughs> Oh my god, that is great! The amount of content we're gonna get from the so we've we've had we had one Philadelphia Flyer fan slash writer on this podcast before. Mm-hmm. I think we need to have an actual Flyers beat writer on, and we're just be like, look, we just want to talk Vino, and then the second they we introduce him, it's like, what are you doing, man? Hey, man, or what are you, lady? Or yeah, or anybody in 2019 will hang up on you either way. 2019, whoever whoever it is, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. I just I have so many questions. The first one, why? The second one, seriously, why? No. The third on. one, are you sure? <laughs> Wait. The fourth, the fourth one, no. Do you understand what you're getting yourself into? The fifth one, why? The sixth, the sixth one. I got the sixth one. Carter Hart. Oh, seventh one. I got seventh one. I'll do. It's for a okay. statement. Let me tell you why okay. not. <laughs> Let me tell you why now. <laughs> and counterpoint, eighth one for me. Let me tell you why the Flyers should have gone longer on the contract. You know what? I just realized I'm really offended. I, like, is there anybody really out there that knows Elaine Vigneault more than you and I? How could the Flyers not call us first? What the hell? I, do your I, due diligence. The, the Flyers hear what I've said about Elaine Vigneault, and they're like, ah, well, this guy seems a little harsh. And then they hear what they what I have to say about the actual Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, we can't do this. Uh, they should have just called us. We know a lot. Could have told you a lot about the press conferences where he says nothing. A lot about the players he talks to where he also says nothing. A lot of gummy chews where he also makes no adjustments about the players he plays that shouldn't be playing. Yeah, I, I just think we have a really good relationship with the layman, yo. So, and you know what the real bummer is? is what We didn't try. We did try. I mean, well, very little. Uh, to get a layman on the podcast when he wasn't a, a coach. Now we'll never get him on. That's real sad. At the same time, if the Philadelphia Flyers called us asking for Elaine Vigneault advice, we would have just lied through our ass, right? There's yeah. no scenario yes. where I don't want Elaine Vigneault to be the coach of the Florida. Well, the, actually, um, he went to the cup. He brought it to the cup, uh, the conference finals. Did a great guy. Look, look what he did to Michael Grabner. Rejuvenated his career. You could, you could see. Look, like, I'm not, I'm not saying Elaine Vigneault is the reason why Henrik Lundqvist is a Hall of Fame goalie. But did you see what Lundqvist did this year without him? Oh God. I just. <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, let's go to the news that our dear friend Rick Carpinello at The Athletic reported today, which is that mm. Igor Shesterukin and Vitaly Krastov, which I could say easier, are, are actually yeah, going to... I don't understand why you struggle so much with Shesterukin. <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> Shesterukin. <laughs> okay. Um, it's like it's like sheesh and then Turkin. She's Turkin. Igor Shesterukin. Uh, they both signed their ELCs. Oh my God. We're going the first to. time he makes a great save with the Rangers, how many sheesh are we going to be able to do? It's actually going to be very fun. Yeah. Uh, uh, but they both are, are planning to sign their ELCs and will be Rangers next year. Uh, this brings Shocker. up, this brings up a very interesting point of what we're going to do with Georgiev and a point we'll probably talk about throughout the summer. So we'll save it for later. But my gut feeling right now, as it stands on April 15th, as we're recording at 7 p.m., is that Georgiev will start the year up in the majors and Igor will start at Hartford and get his feet wet there. And then if he plays out of his mind, he'll get called up. That's really the only way. Yes. And we should also note that uh, Hartford made a coaching change this morning. Kevin McCambridge is out. They did. And they also fired the assistant. Correct. I think. Yes. So they're going to have a whole new coaching staff in Hartford, which is both needed and necessary after the type of season they had with, a better roster than they had the year before. And they still put up 
I, I believe Tom Ertz uh, said statistically it was their second worst season as a New York Ranger affiliate, which is sometimes hard to believe considering that it's it's rare the Rangers had as many actual prospects on that team. Uh, a team with guys like they started the season with Cole Schneider and Peter Holland, who are proven AHL caliber players, good AHL players, I might add. Uh, you had John Gilmore, who put up a, had a great season. You had Ryan Lindgren. You had Lieber Hayek. You had Ville Meskinen. You had Vinny Letary, who, again, is a high-level AHL player. There was enough talent on that roster where they shouldn't have been bottom of the league, and yet they were. So changes were necessary. Uh, as for Igor, which is how we got on this topic, mm-hmm. I don't think it's a bad thing to ask him to get playing time in the AHL. I I think goalies of his age that have come over from Russia, I think it's it, – if. If memory serves correctly, I, apologies to whoever wrote this piece, but I know it's floating around out there. It's almost unprecedented that a under-25 goalie from Russia has not received time in the AHL, regardless of prospect status. Um, I'm still in the belief that I'm not trading Georgiev until I have to, and I don't think this summer is the time and where you have to, simply because – I just, with the Rangers, if they're rebuilding or if they're planning to contend, and you know me, I still think the Rangers are in some way, shape, or form planning to contend I for do know a playoff that about spot you. next I'm year. I'm very aware of this. I just don't think, I don't think you're doing Igor any favors by gifting him a roster spot. I, I, I don't know who benefits. I don't know why it's necessary for Igor to play in 25 NHL games next year. I don't think there's a scenario where he plays more, barring a Hank injury, even without Georgiev on the roster. So I, I'd much rather Igor get regular ice time in the AHL where he can get more familiar with the North American game because it is different. I'm not, I think the, if, if you looked at which league is tougher, I don't think anyone's going to say the AHL is a more challenging league than the KHL. But the KHL... It's different ice. It's different. It's basically different rules. It's a different environment. You're sending Igor over to North America for the first time in his life. I don't necessarily think his career is benefited greatly by starting on the New York Rangers. It just doesn't make any sense to me. I'd much rather him get 40 plus, 50 plus games in Hartford next year, even if the team. I, I mean, all honestly, are we expecting Hartford to be bad again next year? Joey Keane signed his. Um, ELC. Mm-hmm. The Rangers are going to have to play at least one of Hayek and Lindgren again in Hartford. They're going to make some veteran signings to bolster that team up, I would imagine. The offense will be better because I I mean, it's still a, I, I'd say it's, not it's, a zero percent chance. Because it can't be worse, like, is what you're saying? Well, it cannot be worse, but I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if Leas Anderson starts in Hartford again next year. If, an opportunity isn't there from the NHL. I figure Elias um, will make the team, but we'll see. We'll see. It, it, there's no guarantee. I mean, this is a good natural transition. I don't necessarily think it's a guarantee. Kravtsov makes the team out of camp. And I also don't think that's See, I disagree. I think Kravtsov makes the team like no matter what, pretty much. I think he's making I it. I, here's what I think. I don't know if we needed to get in a better habit of it, but I just think there needs to be better 
understanding, not just from us, other other podcasters, bloggers, writers, all that shit. If Kravtsov for some reason doesn't make the team out of camp, we cannot fall down this Leah Anderson rabbit hole again where it's just like, but I thought he was NHL ready. What's going on? Is he already a bust? Is it are there, pro- are there problems? What I was promised this NHL ready Russian winger. I just have I, I have much bigger aspirations, and maybe this is wrong, and maybe I'm that guy who's falling into that trap. I have bigger aspirations for Kraftstov. I just think he's an overall better player than Leas, and and an overall better touted prospect, and kind of has been for a while. So I know Leas was when we first drafted him, kind of off the board, and we did pick him at seven. Not that that matters at this point, but. Kravstov is just the, the better overall prospect, and I will have fine. I will I, I, I will have, have no a, I will have more expectations for him, especially when he comes over here. And I, I, I want have I want no to get NHL with him time. starting the year in Hartford at all. None again. Because just think of we've seen it with Quinn, right? Quinn is a guy who makes everyone earn it, and we've had this t- conversation with our our buddy Cart before. And yes, I think there is a benefit for Kravstov playing even fourth line minutes in the NHL to get his feet wet. Yep. But do you want Kravstov for the first two months of the season playing 10 minutes a night on a line with probably Boone and maybe someone like Brandon Lemieux? Or would you rather him getting 15 plus minutes a night on a line with accomplished AHL winger Vinny Letary and someone like Leas Anderson? My God, honest answer. Well, if Leas is down there with him, I think I could do it. But if not, I think it has to be in the NHL. And I know that sounds very situational, but... I'd rather him get his feet wet here, because we're still yeah, just, we're still sort want... of rebuilding. Despite you, you know, thinking the Rangers are going to be good, maybe make the wild card next year I... with Artemi Panarin. But well, I, I I know the Rangers the Rangers are going to be trying to do two things at once, which is continue to grow their young players, but also threat for a playoff spot, especially if they're signed. You're not signing it again. This is something I've said on this podcast since the jump. You don't sign a guy like Panarin expecting to still be bad next year. It's true. It doesn't make it's, any it, sense. Is it hard, it's probably the hardest thing to do in sports as a, as a franchise is to rebuild and contend at the same time. It's so hard. We've to seen do. it before, though. We've we, seen it many a times before. We have. It's just hard. It's just it's not a lot of teams can ever pull it off. Uh, do you want to go to our – I will oh. just I – will, well, I will personally be frustrated if – I don't – I mean, you and I can do a good job of checking ourselves. But there will be – so much frustration if Vitaly Kravtsov does not break camp with the New York Rangers next year. And I just want people to start thinking to themselves right now on April 15th, one, get your taxes done. Two, yeah, get your taxes done. it is not the end of the world if Kravtsov is starting the season in Hartford. It isn't. Let's go. Because it's the same. It's the same fucking thing with you. No, but it is the same thing with Igor. Like we can on one hand be like, well, if Igor starts in Hartford, that's not necessarily a bad thing for his development. And then on the other hand, being like, no, no, Kravtsov has to play in New York. I think you can. It doesn't work that way. Really? Why even Heedle, Even Heedle went to the fucking AHL, and he proved himself down there. I think it is I different. Don't, I, I don't want I, – I, I don't think he is. No, I think, I think the situation is different because you're going to have spots available for Kravtsov. You're not going to have spots available for Igor. Igor doesn't have a spot currently. The way Georgiev played at the second half of the season was ridiculously impressive. And Hank's not going anywhere. So you're going to have a spot for Kravstov. Like he's going to have a spot on the on the on the team. So you have to well, you have to make a spot for Kravstov, right? I'm not saying guys like Ryan Strom and Vladimir Nemesikov should block Kravstov from playing in the NHL next year, but we are anticipating the Rangers moving them in order for there to be a spot for Kravstov. If they if they aren't moved, there isn't a spot right now for Vitaly Kravstov. 
Oh, man. There's a lot of... It's going to be a very interesting offseason. Let's go to our five-star questions and get to our friend Jeff, where we'll be going over it. him. Uh, the the draft, the, getting the first overall pick, and us getting the second. And then at the end of the podcast, we'll do a little bit of the Game of Thrones. But we'll warn you first, if you don't care. All right. Two five-star questions this week. First one, five-star review by Ranger Gooner. Five-star review. Great job, guys. Can you speak this into existence? Charlie McAvoy mm. as a Ranger. He's having some contract issues. Kreider, some picks, a top prospect, and then give him the bag. What do you think? I still think it's much more likely Jacob Trouba is a New York Ranger than McAvoy. Just because we have such a longer history of there being tension between Truba and the Jets as opposed to McAvoy in Boston, um, I don't get me wrong. I'd very much like either. And if I'm not mistaken, I believe McAvoy's a Long Island boy. That's correct. Yeah, I just – and, I mean, there's plenty of trade history between Jeff Gordon and Charlie McAvoy. I also just think the price is lower on a Jacob Trouba trade than a McAvoy trade because the Jets cap situation and the Bruins cap situation are just very, very different. Well, um, what's The interesting Jets about- are in a position where they're going to – well, you go. What's interesting about McAvoy, and I was reading about this today, is that he wanted a contract like Ekbalt got, right? So he wants Ekblad. seven. Sorry, Ekblad. He wants. I don't know who Ekbalt is. I don't know why I did that. Um, I know why I, I did. I know it's, why it's me. I, yeah. Whatever, who cares? Uh, he wants seven point five million a year, which probably deserves it. Probably deserves it, but can we? That would just be Panarin, and then McAvoy. That would be it. Like, well, that, again, unless there are other moves to make, and if you're trading Kreider in that deal, you got to remember that you're freeing up that salary too. True, correct. But it is just, I would like McAvoy here. I'm not sure the Bruins or we have the ammunition to get it done. That's kind of where I'm at. I'd give him the bag. He's 21 years old. Like that's not a question. I think the Rangers have the pieces to get it done. I just don't think the Bruins are necessarily in a position where they absolutely feel like they have to trade Charlie McAvoy. I think that's the difference. I think. I think the Jets find themselves in a situation where they're staring down the barrel and they have been for some time where it might be past the point of no return with Jacob Truba. Then it, I think the Bruins feel like they can do some mending offenses. Ranger, Charlie Gr- McAvoy, Ranger Gruner, I think I would do it. Kreider, Neil Lund- Lundquist, the second rounder. I don't know. Why do you struggle with Lundquist? It's, it's literally the same name as our goalie. I know. I try to like, you know, switch it up because it's, it feels weird. I don't know. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I don't know what that package looks like. It's. I I'm, think it's. I'm gonna have to think about it. Even with Kreider involved, I think you have to trade multiple firsts. You do. Ugh, man, I'm not sure I'm comfortable with that. I'd much rather Truba. I, I just feel like you get Truba That's for true. a more might, reasonable. What are you price. gonna get a Truba tattoo? It's gonna happen soon, right? Um, <sighs> well, if the trade if the trade happens, let's talk. Seriously, we actually might have to. Uh, Five star question. Second one of the week. That's right. We got two. And if you want to leave a five-star question, you can go to our iTunes this week, leave a five-star review, and leave a question at the review, and we'll read it on the show. That's how this works. By Palms96, if the Rangers miss out on Artemi Panarin, and God forbid, what are your thoughts on the Rangers going after Carlson and trading for Truba to overhaul the D? So I, Our Carlson thoughts are yeah, complicated. They're right? deep and complicated. Because if Carlson was like, I only want to play with my best friend, Henrik Lundqvist, and I'll sign for two years, and I'll be totally cool. Carlson, come on down. And if he's like, actually, three years, I'm like, all right, Carlson, you got me. Come on down. And if he's like, four years, I'm like, hell no. 
We're <laughs> we're totally done. And I, I don't think want I'd still do four. I think I'd do four years, but I think that's the line. Anything above four years sure feels like a dangerous road to go down. Let's put it this way, right? Mm-hmm. If we're talking one-year impact, I think it's possible that Eric Carlson would have a higher impact next year on the New York Rangers than Artemi Panarin, right? But I think it's very unfortunately, close. Given the state of the Rangers' defense, mm. oh, I, I think I see what you're Carlson's saying addition is more impactful to the New York Rangers because you're also taking into account that by Carlson being here, that's less ice time for bad players that are currently here as well. Mm-hmm. So the the one year impact is I think Carlson has a stronger impact on the 2019 2020 New York Rangers than Artemi Panarin. However, we're not signing a guy to a one year deal, and I think if you were talking seven year impact, which player is more likely to be a positive influence on the Rangers lineup for a longer period of time? It's Artemi Panarin. And it's not even close. So. That's always why we, I think that's why we've always been Team Panarin over Team Carlson. Um, our dear friend Hockey Stat Miner is the one that floated out. If you're guaranteeing me an amnesty buyout in the next CBA, that complicates things a little bit more because then you're really talking about Eric Carlson on a limited year deal, like a three year deal. If you're going into it with the mindset of, I have these. I have this gun in my back pocket. I can, I can take this deal out back anytime I want after the buy. After Jesus. the oh, collective bargaining agreement. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Old Yeller that Eric Carlson deal. Um, if the Rangers miss on Panarin, and we we talked at the Q and A, we did. Um, we both the Knicks wall and us wanted to discuss a little bit of like doomsday scenarios. If I'm the Rangers and I miss on Panarin, I'm just not spending any money. This I'm off. spending no money and I'm still rebuilding and I'm probably extending Kreider, but I'm not signing Kevin Hayes. Yeah, I'm not even trading for Truba at that point because I'd, I'd much rather just let Truba get the free agency and then sign him next year. Correct. I'd much rather just hang out. All right, let's get yeah, to our yeah. friend Jeff and then we'll keep talking. Well, you don't want to do our two-star question. No, because that, that encourages bad behavior, Greg. Yeah, but I like encouraging bad behavior. That's not how we do this. <laughs> oh, you're talking bad behavior of people leaving bad reviews as opposed to me responding poorly to the bad reviews. You responding poorly was always going to happen no matter what happened. 100%. But if you want to read our two-star review, you can go and leave a five-star review while you're doing it. See? That's how you do that. Hey, yeah, and just to the guy that left us our two-star review, Don't fuck you, guy. I haven't even <laughs> talked about the Mets once. <laughs> You want me to talk about it right now? No, I'm not I don't. Worried about Jacob Degrom. That's it. It's that simple. Okay, we're good. All right, uh, Elaine Vigneault. Fuck you. <laughs> All right, transition. Shit, okay, it was probably Elaine Vigneault who left the review. <laughs> okay. Little cunt bag. Oh my god, with the c word. 2019 transition to Jeff. Bye, and we'll be back in three, two, one, and we're back with our good friend Jeff. And Jeff, you've been on the podcast how many times now? Like nine. Nine seems a little high. I would go like six or seven area. You are a resident but. devil's expert, other than former Kincaid, Kincaid, Keith Kincaid, Jesus Christmas, who has also been on this podcast. Uh, I like how you called him former Keith Kincaid as he's, if he's not Keith Kincaid he's, anymore. He's not. He's not. He might, might win a playoff series, though. Good for him. Uh, <laughs> uh, where do we even start? Notre Dame is on fire, and the Devils got the first overall pick. And Elaine Vigneault is a Philadelphia Flyer. Yeah, let's start with AV. Your thoughts on the Devils uh, competing with the Flyers over the next few years because Elaine Vigneault is on that team. 
Um, honestly, don't love it as another team in the division. What? Though I did text Greg a long LMAO uh, text when I saw the news, which he knew immediately what it was about. Um, I mean, I know you guys have your issues with Vigneault, but at the end of the day, dude wins hockey games. So at the very least, they're going to be playoff contenders for like the next foreseeable future if they have a guy like that at the helm. And you know, regardless of what he's going to do to their young players or their playoff chances, uh, chances of actually winning a cup, doesn't really matter because they're going to be probably taking up a playoff spot in the East, uh, in the Metro Division for the time being. You know, I think they're going to miss the playoffs, and I know that's the. Dumbest I'm not saying thing they ever. make the playoffs immediately, but I think his track record is good enough that you know, regardless of the final outcome, his team wins hockey games, and that's likely what the Flyers signed him for, obviously. Um, so I don't think it's the best thing for us. It's definitely hilarious for the memes uh, and the gum uh, stocks down in Philadelphia. But I think that's about it. Philly's the worst. Uh, let's talk about getting the overall number one pick in the NHL draft. And I think a big part of this wait, is... Wait, the Devils got the number one overall pick? Yeah, have you heard? Oh, what the fuck? It, it might be the, the whole reason you're on this stupid mediocre podcast that Greg and I still do after 178 <laughs> weeks straight consecutively without uh, missing an episode. I, yeah, I heard you guys uh, ragging on me, though, in the emergency pod about wanting secretly to have the number two pick just so I could be right. I love that you listened. So that, that, that's where we're here. Right, first of all, you didn't secretly want the number two pick. You were very open about wanting the number two pick. <laughs> My text to you that day was, I kind of hope the Devils, uh, Rangers get number one, Devils get number two. That way we don't have to make a decision and we just get whoever's left. But now you guys are in that position. So yeah, I don't know why not- you're so mad at me. But at the same time, that's not you being secretive about your wants. That was you being very clear about what you wanted. I, do, you, do you really believe that I would turn down Jack Hughes just to be in that position? Well, that, I guess we, uh, that's what you're, we're here to talk about. Are you excited about the potential of Jack Hughes? Because it seems that he's the lock to go number one from everything I've, I've read so far, especially with his connection with Mr. Hall on your team. Obviously, he trains with him in the summers. He's been the more the more scouted player from what I've heard of of the two. You that's probably who you're going to be taking. Would you, will you be upset in any single way that you won't get a chance to say Kapakako like I will a million times? <laughs> I'd rather just listen to you say it than to have to say it myself. Okay, fine, it's the um, best. But yeah, I'm I'm absolutely thrilled that we're going to get Jack Hughes. I mean, every I'm sure you read much more about him than I have. I've just kind of dug into the prominent article and just other stuff that I've been hearing throughout the year, but. Uh, his speed seems like it'll be a big difference maker comparing him to Kako and how he would kind of fit on, on the devils. I really feel that the devils need somebody who's going to be more of a playmaker and Kako seems more like a finisher. And I just, I'm very happy to have the more dynamic speedier guy than the kind of power forward who, um, maybe can't do it on his own, but I think either choice is going to be absolutely fantastic and you kind of can't go wrong either way. Um, like you said, there's familiarity with Hughes being a North American player. Obviously he gets covered a lot more than the European guys. Um, and then, like you said, training with Hall also really random fact, Ray Shiro used to be his dad's agent what? when he was a player. So there's like a really close family connection there. Oh, there's no um, way so they're I, not I taking him. I don't see any reason. Any, yeah, exactly. I don't see oh, any okay. way that they don't take him with the number one overall pick. And I think it's an excellent choice, but you know, I there's obviously still going to be some talent past the number number two pick. Um, it's not like Kako is the last player that's going to see the NHL ice on this uh, draft list. 
um, especially in their first year. But, you know, can't go wrong. You guys are definitely taking Kako number two. I'm super excited to reignite the rivalry for, like, the next 10 seasons. I Bring do it feel on. like part of it with Hughes, uh, and you guys correct me if you feel differently, I just feel like we've known Hughes has been the number one guy in this draft for so long that I some people got bored talking about Hughes being the number one guy. And it's not to say Kako hasn't had a great year in Finland. I, he clearly has. He had one of the best under 18 or under 19 seasons of all time in a very competitive league. It just, it, it kind of just felt like Hughes fatigue a little bit though, with people saying that he wasn't going to be the number one pick. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's definitely the, why you saw the rise of Kako and then you're going to see a ton of pieces where people are kind of trying to, you know, push more of the narrative of, you know, Hughes isn't the overall, just so they have something to write about really. Um, not saying that any of those takes are particularly wrong, but, you know, we saw the same thing happen with uh, Patrick two years ago and the, when the Devils took Nico number one, everybody was saying, oh yeah, it's kind of a weak draft. Patrick's been the name that we've been hearing for years. And now all of a sudden this kid had a breakout year in, you know, the Canadian league. So we haven't really been, he hasn't really been on our radar until this point. And I think that's a, a fair thing to say about a lot of the European players that come through because a lot of the coverage is going to be Canadian writers, North American writers. Um, they're not going to follow every single league on the other side. And um, any of the stuff that we might hear from over there would be like, oh, well, if we're not hearing it from our guys, then why do we really have to pay attention to this? And it's not till the draft comes around that you're really starting to focus in more on these players and see what they really got. And at the same time, like, in the Pedersen draft, was anybody saying his name, you know, as one of the top picks? And then the Rangers. look at who's the... <laughs> yeah, I mean, you hear that after the fact, but I'm talking about just, like, all the coverage of no, all no, the guys. No. Like, nobody really knows what they're talking about. Um, I think we do a bad enough job of evaluating player talent on the professional level that when it comes to the draft class, I think it's even more of a crapshoot. And, you know, there's no one right way to predict things. I mean, you don't even have to go as far back as Patterson. Who the fuck was saying the Rangers were going to take Kraft's off last year? Absolutely. I'm, I'm just talking about no guys have had an impact in the league. Like, Pedersen's had the year that you would expect, like, a number one overall pick to kind of do, and nobody was ever talking about him, like, in any sort of capacity he, at the time he was drafted. He was – Pedersen was the Heischer draft, though, right? Same, same year, two years ago? Uh, yes, he was. He was uh, the Leah Anderson draft. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, Jeff, hypothetical for you: if you had to redraft that draft, you taking Pedersen one, or you're still taking Heischer? No, I'm. I'm still taking Nico. I, I mean, I could just see how he fits in on the team and the type of player that he is. Uh, I think the difference between the two players. I think that Pedersen plays with a lot more confidence than Nico does. Um, I've seen Nico do stuff on a nightly basis where, like. There's a ton of potential there, and the second he feels like he has free reign to kind of do whatever he wants on the ice instead of deferring to his teammates, I still think he's a little bit too uh, nice out there, uh, for lack of a better word, where he kind of tries to look the pass first, doesn't really think he has the best shot, but like the moments where he does step up with confidence, there was a play at the end of the year where I think it was on Bo Meester against the Blues where he kind of flipped the puck up, hit it down around the guy, and then went on the other side and had a really amazing score chance. If he finishes that goal, it's probably on a highlight reel forever. Um, but no, I, I definitely see all the talent that Nico has. And uh, I think his body's only going to get bigger and stronger. And I would definitely take him number one overall again. 
homer pick, but yeah, that is super homer. That's how I feel. I think Pedersen goes easy. Um, I think with the rivalry coming up, both teams. Do you think that we were rewarded this because we both chanted, "We both suck" at a game together? And we both got the one and two pick because the hockey gods were like, "It's time." I'm, I mean, it's it can't be overlooked, right? I mean, good karma is a real thing when you you know you start to be. You know, embracing the sport instead of fighting against others, you know, sometimes they're rewarded in the end. Follow-up so question. I, I don't think... Do you think teams should be banned from drafting the top three twice in three years? Uh, only if they get the number one overall pick. Okay. Any of the other three, I think, uh, would be fair. But, you know, getting the number one overall, getting number one overall two out of three years is just ridiculous, and no team should be allowed to do that. I'm glad you feel that way, despite your situation. Can no. we talk about Taylor Hall? Yeah, we can talk about him. What do you want to the, say? The, <laughs> it's not ridiculous. just an MVP last year, but an MVP of the draft lottery. What an insane run this guy has been on. Five. Unfortunately, he's been on teams that have been in the draft lottery, but you know, when he gets there, he makes it count. Five overall number one picks. In seven years. That is seven years. Absolutely insane. Uh, well, let's, let's, let's ask you the uncomfortable question while we're on the Taylor Hall topic, though, Jeff. Uh, what percentage chance do you give him not being a New New Jersey Devil come August. I mean, well, he's definitely going to be there in August because he's got another year on his contract. So you Uh, you want to trade him this summer if he doesn't sign an extension? Oh, I understand. Yeah, we kind of had this conversation the other day. I'm I'm, I'm getting where you're at. Uh, I would say there is a, like, 5% chance that he is not a Devil come August. Really? I don't. that low? I fit... I think there's like a 90% chance. It's probably even higher, but I'm being conservative. There's a 90% chance he is re-signed as soon as possible, uh, meaning July 1st. And if he's not, I would say it's probably 50-50 whether we would hold on to him until the start of the season. So that's where I'm getting my 95% chance he's going to stay on the team. Man. Uh... If they let him go, if they don't re-sign him or – I mean, even if they didn't re-sign him and then traded him because he wouldn't re-sign with them, I think the, the fan base would absolutely revolt. There's no way that we could get let him go. It's just too hard to get that level of talent. Um, and the things that he meant to us last season, you know, pushing us to the playoff, being the league MVP, no less, um, I think it would be insane if the Devils didn't re-sign him and something would have gone very, very wrong uh, in the process. I look forward to our, our rivalry. What else do we have to ask Jeff about the uh, the draft before we move on to our very nerdy Game of Thrones segment here, Gregory? Um, I guess I don't know if we need to talk about the draft. I I just I think it always helps. It's been a full year, a full calendar year plus since the Rangers and Grabner. Uh, I mean, the Rangers sent Grabner to the Devils. Uh, given the season New Jersey has had, I don't think we've had you on basically all year because there's really no reason to. Given the season the New Jersey Devils have, do you have any lingering regrets about the Grabner trade? No. Why, why, why would I have regrets about the Grabner trade? What do we give up? A second and uh, Rykov? Yes. I mean, I'm fine with it. Like, that trade, I would make that, you know, every time in that situation that we were in. The fact that he shit the bed for us, I know you're going to say, like, oh, yeah, we could have told you that was going to happen. Um, but we needed kind of somebody dynamic with some speed who can probably can try to make a difference. And he just didn't end up fitting in with the team. Um, we made the Patrick Maroon trade at the same time. And that one turned out 
like as best as it possibly could short of us re-signing him this summer. Um, so no, I don't, I don't have any regrets. I'm not going to miss that second round pick, um, which was last year, I assume. And then I don't yeah, think Rykov was ever even coming over for us. Um, so I probably would have taken a team like the Rangers to bring him over to North America. And, you know, I'm, I'm totally fine with it. I think uh, it might be years before Rykov makes an impact, if any at all. Um, and at best, probably like a second pairing defenseman, which I guess would be pretty good. Um, but no, I, I, w- I would make that trade again. No problem. I know you like to hang it over my head, but I really I, don't I ever see a problem just, with it. I, we got to ask because it's always, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. Uh, but outside of taking Hughes number one and re-signing Taylor Hall to a long-term extension, what do you expect or what do you want the Devils to do this offseason? I want – well, offseason-wise, I just – Shira needs to, eat, uh, to add more talent to the team. There's – I mean, you saw there was plenty of memes about yeah, you were playing some of the like AHLers, like a lot. Literally, literally, like five guys on the team had more than like five goals at certain times in the season, and uh, part of that was I think we were a little more lenient on who was sitting out with injuries. Um, it seemed like any little thing that would come up, a guy would kind of be out for a few games, and I was totally fine with in efforts to tank and you know worked out well getting the number one overall pick. Um, But even when the roster was fully healthy and Taylor Hall was running on all cylinders, um, you know, we didn't have any top line scoring. We really still were running like a thin, like one and a half top lines and not really strong on the defensive end. Um, We just really need some veteran skill and somebody to like teach the young guys that are going to be coming up, you know, how to properly play on this team and, and, you know, make an impact in the NHL because you guys have seen what it's like when you have a ton of young guys, which is great to have young talent, but you know, it doesn't always result in winning hockey games and it can look a little rough out there at times. Um, And Shiro even addressed as much in some recent press conferences uh, where he said the devil's biggest need was to add talent. Um, And I think he's got to just follow through. He got an extension. Hines got an extension, which I didn't understand at all. Um, and they just kind of got to prove their contracts now because now is like the time when they got to make a move. Uh, they've gotten two jump starts in number one overall picks in terms of like rebuilding uh, through the draft. And I think they got to show what they can do in the free agency side. Um, really hoping we see an offer sheet. I think this might be the summer that we get to see one. You're, what makes you think um, that out of curiosity? Because I am always doubtful, and I would like to see one for sure. Well, the biggest thing that leads to it is uh, that we haven't traded away the draft picks that we would need to give up as compensation if we were to sign an RFA. Uh, most importantly, like the second and third round picks in next year's draft. Uh, and on top of that, we just have a boatload of cap space. Uh, even if we re-signed Hall, that probably only takes us down to like the 23 million area in free space after some re-signing. That's a lot um, of money. So we definitely have this, we definitely have the cap space for it. And I think the players are available out there, uh, where we can kind of get them to sign with us over the situations that they're currently in. Are we? Are you thinking like a guy like Andreas Janssen, or are you thinking big fish like Charlie McAvoy? I'm thinking big fish and maybe on the forward side. Um, I think point would be really hard to get away from Tampa, but I don't see why we couldn't make an offer. 
it's it's very interesting with Point in Tampa. That's going to be you'd be the first team to it's do it. It's hard to compete wet. with the cap. Since, it's really hard to compete with the cap. Yeah. Well, I I think the Leafs might get offer sheeted too. So we'll see. It's going to be an interesting off season. Uh, anything else, Gregory? Before we move on, I'll give some disclaimers here. Well, Jeff, do you have anything else that you feel you either want to ask us or want to get off your chest? No, I I I said it to you guys over the weekend. I'm honestly very happy that you guys jumped up to the number two pick. Um, I think it's great for hockey in the city. Um, I think it's great to kind of have something on top of just my team to kind of have a rivalry. Um, and I think it's hockey's best when, you know, you're playing against good teams. And I think uh, it's just going to be a lot of fun to watch these two teams play against each other in the future. You have any hot playoff t- takes so far? Well, Tampa kind of sucks, huh? Yeah, baby. <laughs> Yeah. Enjoy that second pick, the second round pick this year. Yeah, we will. It's gonna suck. I, At least I, I've said you. I've said this before. I just I don't really care about other draft picks now that we have number two overall. Like I do. Obviously, I would love four first round picks, but at the same time, Rangers got the big fish. So whatever else happens is kind of gravy to me. All right, let's move on. We're gonna do some Game of Thrones talk as we did every year. Listen, this is only gonna be six episodes of this, so it's not gonna be too long. But at the end of every episode of Blue Shirts Break, for the next couple weeks, Greg and I are going to do like 10 minutes of Thrones because we want to talk about it. And if you don't watch, that's totally cool. I don't care. Uh, but obviously, you're done listening to the podcast. So if you want to follow us on Twitter, I'm at Orion Mead. I got a lot of followers the last couple of days. Thanks, guys. And then uh, Greg is at Blue Shirts Break. He runs the main account, and he talks about the Mets and the Rangers. And then you can follow Jeff. Jeff, what is your account again? J-Balls? Uh, it's not a big deal. It's, it's at J-Balls. I don't tweet anything, though. Okay. I don't. Do stuff there. All right, so Jeff. Jeff has another super secret account that he uh, yeah, from that I'm not going to put him on blast. Can't talk about that. Um, it's only got like three thousand followers. Oh, not, a big deal. Go, not a big deal. Oh, okay, tough okay, guy. not a big deal. All right, let's <laughs> talk about the throws. See you guys next week. If you don't listen to throws, anyway. Five, four, three, two, one. Spoilers. It was a setup episode, right? So the whole thing was oh, yeah. just setups. You could see the writing on the wall that's coming. I'm kind of not nice. Nice oh, wordplay, by the way. That was that was good on you. Oh, thank you. I didn't even know I did it on purpose. Oh, right. Okay, interesting. Um, it's I wasn't upset as when I, in season seven I thought to myself, "Wow, this is way too quick, and some of this is very unrealistic, and I'm kind of getting out of it." I didn't feel like this was rushed in any way, and the only thing I feel like is rushed so far, totally, except for some of the dialogues where everyone has these witty one-liners because there's so many characters, is Daenerys and John. Their love feels really fake to me. There's nothing about their love that like feels genuine. Am I alone in that? <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go with yes. Really? I just I'm not concerned about their love. First of all, it, it's I not... am. It's it feel like all of a sudden they're like deadly in love with each other. He's like, you know, Sansa's like, did you did you do it because you wanted to save the North or did, yeah? But do you, you do her? we know do we know they're deadly in love with each other or do we know that they're just two cute kids that are fucking and they're feeling certain ways right now? It seems like they're they're very in love. But maybe I'm wrong, and they're just like stupid kids. I I, I, I agree I, with you, Ryan. Thank you, Jeff. I think, it, I think it definitely does feel unearned, but I think that's only in comparison to the other relationships we've seen them in. Whereas you know the full backstory with the Greet and uh, and John, and then with Drogo and Khaleesi, obviously. So like comparing those two side by side, you'd be like. Why would he love her? Like, obviously, he loves Ygritte or whatever her, her mm-hmm. name was. Ygritte, yeah. Um, like, I, I definitely agree that it feels unearned, but it, at the same time, I'm, I'm with you on, like, 
yeah, they kind of just need to move stuff along. They can't really just show them like falling in love with each other. It's... I my big beef my big beef from the episode was about John and Danny. It just wasn't about their love story. I just feel like Danny's really cavalier about the fact that John can ride a dragon. Yeah, it's kind of like, hey, yeah, just grab on and just ride, buddy. It's like, what? Are you kidding me? Why? That's ridiculous. Why would I do that? He doesn't. They don't have saddles. There's nothing. Well, no, it's it's not even that. It's just, isn't it a big deal that another person can ride a dragon? Haven't we been told in various ways, shape, or form that it's not exactly like anyone can just hop on board? It's not like a train. It's a fucking dragon. You are Am correct, crazy? Greg. Though I think that's a bigger, like, explicit statement in the books. And I'm not certain that any character on the show has specifically been like, hey, just so you know, only Targaryens can ride dragons. Um, but it's also possible if somebody else did say that, that Daenerys just has no fucking clue. She's got these dragons she just learned by raising them on her own she doesn't know the rules about riding dragons and well, who can and who can't. nobody's ever tried to ride she one doesn't before. know why the dragon is actually like hey this is cool and the reason for that is because john actually is aegon targaryen and if he wasn't of dragon blood that dragon would eat his ass super quick that dragon definitely knows what? that he's targaryen like 100 percent. danny also has some serious people person skills uh which have just been borne out throughout this entire series but the whole, hey, thanks for saving my advisor. By the way, I killed your dad oh, and your brother. Dude, like, that when, entire exchange is like, Danny, at some point, break him the news later. When, you don't have to be so honest. When Sam is like, well, at least my brother's alive. <laughs> she just goes, oh, no. Actually, we burned him, too. It's like, what? Come on, Danny. Yeah, Danny, read a room. Come on. You don't have to be so honest. What are you doing? Uh, and I thought there were so many parallels between this and the actual pilot of the show. I was reading a big, long Reddit comment, but the one that really stuck out to me is that in the first episode, Ned takes out Snow, or uh, I think it's Snow, his sword at the time, and or it's Ice, sorry. Takes out Ice. ice, ice yeah, yeah, Ice, and like chops the guy's head off in front of John and Rob, and he's like, you know, sometimes you gotta lay down the law. And then Sam goes up to John in the crypts and is like, would you have killed those guys? And it was that moment is like next to his father. It was pretty much like, are you your father or no? What's the uh, deal? His, his, uh, his uncle. Actually. His uncle. Yeah. Sorry. His uncle. The uncle. Uncle daddy. Jeff would know. Yes, it's true. <laughs> does, does know. Just, you know, another great like Martin Bergdor. A legend. A legend. Uh, it's just a very interesting situation. Uh, confirmed. I don't know what a legend has. It's confirmed. <laughs> oh, boy. That was a good one. Thanks, Greg. It, thank you, thank you. I have my moments. The episode, and also, Bran is just taking big L's on the internet the entire day. Like, I know Bran isn't Bran anymore, and he's like, I guess the, the Red Raven and is a total creep and is, weirdo? Well, did I miss something when he when John's like, you're a man now, and he goes, almost. What, almost. what does that mean? I think that was what, sort what of... What did that mean? Was I, he trying to be funny? I think it was sort of veiled. I think it's like something that's foreshadowing, but I'm not sure. Yes. I think he's he means like maybe in the future I'll work more, into somebody. I thought it was more of a I'm kind of a man, but I'm the three eyed raven now. So like almost a man, but not really. I didn't really think it was foreshadowing something. It kind uh, of I, got it. more like, explaining like what word, he is. I feel like you should have said not exactly as opposed to almost, but I guess maybe I'm splitting hairs. Yeah, it it was weird. You, you could be right also, and I misinterpreted, but that's the way I. Think. What do you think he's gonna say to Jamie? 
What up? Dude, what the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> you Yo, remember the last time we saw each other? How's your sister? Yeah, what's up with that? You guys doing well? Oh, no, I actually see everything. I know how well it's going. I just don't... Uh, it's a really weird situation. And I like... I kind of like Bran. And I think I'm the only one. I'm alone in this camp. He just became a total weirdo I, overnight, though. So it's hard to really like him. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I dislike him. I understand that he's extremely important for the narrative of the show like we don't get to this point without brand basically yeah and that's fine um yeah i, I don't have any hot takes about brand if i'm being why honest. was brand like yo sam you got to tell him i can't do it i guess maybe I, I, there is more inherent i mean how many times have we heard john being like yo northerners don't trust outsiders a million so sam isn't a northerner like if brand says here are the facts. Danny is X, Y, Z. You need to do this. He could just be like, ah, oh, that's just another dude from King um, Winterfell telling me how to live. Whereas Sam has been his ride or die since day one. Sam's not going to bullshit with him. Yeah. He's just going to lay it out on the line and tell him the hard truth. Very true. You um, know what I really like about Bran right now is because he's the three-eyed raven and he's seen all the visions, he has the exact same amount of knowledge about what's happening in the show as the audience. And there's something very satisfying to me about being like, Jesus Christ, when the fuck are they going to figure this out already? And then he's there to kind of just be like, Hey, listen guys, just so you know, uh, the wall came down, they have your dragon. It's time to move some shit along. (laughs) And it just cuts out the middleman of like, Oh geez, when are they going to figure out that they have the dragon? It's like, Oh no, they just already know. Uh, and Brand brought him up to speed. I think there's like an aspect of him that like I like that he just is able to tell all the other characters what's actually happening. He's a great writing like tool. He's like, oh no, actually everyone knows everything now because Brand can see everything. I just want, I don't want Brand to be too powerful. That's my big fear is that he ends up like being the Night King or ends up like, I don't know, like t- being able to time travel and going back and, and stop from the Night King from being created, et cetera, and stopping the whole thing. That's cheap to me. I the only thing I want out of the season is no cheap wins. I want everything earned. As long as everything's earned, I'm cool with it. And that's all I, that's all that matters to me. Except for John and Danny's love. That can't be earned. J- John's <laughs> gonna John's gonna kill Danny. He's gonna kill her. It's gonna be wild. She's gonna go uh, she's she's gonna go mad queen. She's gonna start burning people. And then he's gonna have to do it for the North. I don't know. I think that would be pretty dope. I don't think they would do it. Though. I don't think so either. In 2019, I don't think you can. But I feel like that might have been an option in in, in the past. We'll see. I think I think Arya might be the one that pulls the trigger. If I'm being uh, honest. Ooh. Do you do? I like that. Don't too. you feel like there's no way she lives? I don't feel like there's any way die. Sansa lives. I think Sansa's one of like the three people that does. No, I I think I I don't know if it's just me because I. I've grown to disdain Sansa over time. Um, I think part of it is because she's her mother's daughter, and I fucking hate Catelyn. Well, Cat- Catelyn was very um, tough to deal with, but uh, an interesting yeah, character I, nonetheless. I don't know. I just I, I feel like we're we're get, let me put it this way: we're getting to a crossroads with the Sansa Jon Snow relationship where one of them doesn't live, and I feel like I just place my bet on Sansa. The only locks to die, like absolute locks, are Cersei. Like Cersei's a lock. That's lock of yep. the century. And I think Jamie's also a lock. But after- I think Tyrion's a lock. I, 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 all the Lannisters might be locks, honestly. Jeez. You have to figure, like, half of the characters left 
at least are going to die, right? Yeah, for sure. Minimum. Like, it's going to be a lot. The o- I think the only character I can lock to live is Arya. That's the only one. Davos. No, I don't think so. I just don't want him to go. I don't, I don't want Davos to go. Davos is going to have a Hodor level of devastating death. It's going to be so bad. I fucking love Davos. He's the man. Bron, Bron might survive, but Davos is done. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to miss him, too. He's the best. <laughs> he's, he's got so many good lines. All right. Uh, anything else we want to talk about the runs before we get out of here? Uh, predictions for next week? Does anyone have any? I do. Uh, oh, I don't know. You read the spoiler online. I'm not going to spoil it for anyone else, but ba- the third episode is probably the big one. And I think this will be a lot more setting up for the, the big all battle in episode three. Yeah, two yeah. weeks from now, that weekend is going to be just stupid packed. It's very yeah, my, strong. I, I think it's like kind of very clear from the way the pacing of the first episode went that the second episode will feature a fight between the guys that went to uh, yep. remind me of that uh, the Umbers town that showed up the Umbers that showed up in yeah uh, so there, there's going to be a fight between them and the Night King and then probably at the very end of the episode the Night King arrives at Winterfell and then, and then, next and then, week and then episode 3 is 70 minutes of war there's uh, no way I don't see the cliffhanger next week being the Night King arrives at Winterfell. That's it. Did you? Um, did you? Guys, the last point I have about Thrones is: Did you guys pick up Tyrion commenting about sigils when the Karstarks came into Winterfell, and then the mutilated bodies and the boy hanging in the middle? The uh, very similar characteristics to the Targaryen sigil. I saw that. I did notice. But it's also like, and then the, of course it lights on fire. It is also like, I from what I was talking to a, a Game of Thrones nerd about it, it's also like the symbol of the Night King. But it does look like the Targaryen one, so it is. It is. Uh, I think you can go both ways there. Maybe it's like. Yeah, I saw a bunch of screenshots from various murder killings that uh, could have went either way. But even if it is a Targaryen symbol, it could just be like a "Hey, Targaryen, we're coming for you." Yeah, you're screwed. We know, John. We know, by the way. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I just, I just, at this point in the series, there's no such thing as a throwaway line. So you know it has to mean something that, for whatever reason, Tyrion is talking about the beauty of the Karstark's sigil, and then you get that visual at the end of the episode. I guess I want to just throw this out with you, uh, out there. I think one of the reasons I had another question. As yeah, well. and they were here now. Sorry. Uh, I, one of the reasons that Sam says to Danny, like, "I stole my grand, my dad's sword." is because that sword plays a big part in the future. Like, I think Sam ends up using that sword and killing someone very important with it. Just throwing it out there. Yeah, and it's, it's Valerian Steel too, right? It is, yes. So. It's one of the very few. Jeff? Yeah, just, well, the same thing, same thing goes with um, Arya's dagger. Yep. I think that also applies because, once again, no throwaway lines, so you don't just get um, smoky blacksmith dude whose name I Gendry. never know. Right, him. Uh, you don't get him saying like, "Oh, Valerian steel." Like that shit's not an accident. Yeah, it's on purpose. Like you're letting the audience know, like there's only a couple of Valerian weapons here. It's Oathkeeper. It's the dagger from Littlefinger. It's uh, Longclaw, etc. Like there's only a few, and those are going to be very important. Jeffy, exactly. Yeah. So I was wondering if you guys were reading into any significance to the change in the intro. 
Not so much oh, yes. the map itself, but the the spinning wheels and how they depict different parts of the show now versus showing like Robert's Rebellion. But the fact that they're wood instead of gold, like really, I think that affects like what's going to happen in the future. Like, are we going to go back to a time when wood, I don't know, whatever. But mm. I just was wondering what your guys' thoughts on the intro was. I didn't notice I that. Didn't read, I didn't read that far into it. I, I just liked it from the... It seemed like the show is being like every week we're going to show you exactly where this White Walker army is and how close they are to villages. And this is what you have to prepare for. Yeah, that's probably it. All right, guys, we're getting out of here. Follow us on Twitter at Blue Shirts Break. I'm at Orion Me. Don't follow Jeff. And we'll see you next week on the Blue Shirts Breakaway where we'll talk more about Elaven Yo. <laughs> Bye. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.